0: Good afternoon, hi, hello, hello, and welcome, welcome back to the next chapter of Five Go to Smuggler's Top. So we're on chapter 16, and what a night last night was, oh my goodness, they all disappeared. So, we're on the next morning now. Chapter 16 Next Morning As George sat by the window, on the very seat into which everyone had unaccountably disappeared, although she did not know it, she heard a faint sound from the passage. Quick as lightning, the girl slipped under the bed. Someone was creeping down the long passage. George lay silently on the floor, Lifting the valance to try and see who it was. What strange things were going on tonight. Someone came in at the door. Someone stopped there, as if to look and listen. And then someone crept over to the window seat. George watched and listened, straining her eyes in the darkness. She dimly saw the someone outlined against the grey square of the window. He was bent over the window seat. He showed no light at all, but he made some curious little sounds. First came the sounds of his fingers tapping about on the closed lid of the seat. Then came a clink of something metallic and a very faint squeaking. George could not imagine what the man if it was a man, was doing. For about five minutes, the someone worked away at his task in the darkness. Then, as quietly as he had come, he went away. George couldn't help thinking it was Block, although his outline against the dark grey of the window was too dim to recognise. But he had once given a little cough exactly like Block so often gave. It must be Block. But whatever was he doing in her father's room at night on the window seat? Oh, George just felt as though she was in a bad dream. The strangest things happened and kept on happening, and they didn't seem to make any sense at all. Where was her father? Had he left his room and gone wandering over the house? Where was Sooty and why had he called out? He wouldn't have shouted out like that, surely, if her father had been asleep in the room. George lay under the bed shivering for a little while longer. Then she rolled out softly and went out of the door. She crept down the long passage to the end. She opened the door there and peeped out. The whole house was in darkness. Little sounds came to George's ears, a window rattling faintly, the creak of some bit of furniture, but nothing else. She had only one thought in her mind, and that was to get into the boys' room and tell them the mysterious things that had happened. Soon she was across the landing and had slipped through the door of Julian's bedroom. He and Dick were awake, of course, waiting for Sooty to come with Timmy and George. But only George arrived. A scared George with a very, very curious tale to tell. She wrapped herself in the eye down on Julian's bed and told what had happened in whispers. They were amazed. Uncle Quentin gone. Sooty disappeared. Someone creeping into the room and fiddling about on the window sil- seat. What did it all mean? We'll come to Uncle Quentin's room with you now. Straight away, said Julian, pulling on a dressing gown and hunting about for his slippers. I've got a feeling that things are getting pretty serious. They all padded off to the other rooms. They went into Mary Bell's room and woke her and Anne. Both little girls felt Mm, a bit scared. Soon all five children were in the next room from which George's father and Sooty had so strangely disappeared. Julian shut the door, drew the curtains, and switched on the light. At once they all felt better. It was so horrid to grope about in the dark with torches. They looked about the silent room. There was nothing there to show them how the others had disappeared. The bed was crumpled and empty. On the floor lay Sooty's torch where it had fallen. George repeated again what she had thought she heard Sooty call out. But it made no sense to anyone. Why call out Mr Barling's name when there was only your father in the room, said Julian. Surely Mr Barling wasn't hiding here. (laughs) That would be nonsense. He has nothing to do with your father, George. I know. I know but I'm sure it was Mr Barling's name that I heard he call out, said George. Do you think... Oh, yes, do you think Mr Barling could possibly have crept through the secret opening in the cupboard, meaning to do some dirty work or other, and have gone back the same way, taking the others with him because they discovered him? Well, this seemed a likely explanation, so... <sighs> Not a very good one, but they all went to the cupboard and opened it. They groped about between the clothes for the secret opening. But the little iron handle set there to pull on the stone at the back was gone. Someone had removed it. And now the secret passage could not be entered, for there was no way of opening it just there. Look at that," said Julian in astonishment. "Someone's been tampering with that too. No, George, the midnight visitor, whoever he was, didn't go back that way." George looked very pale. She had been hoping to go, hoping to go and fetch Timmy by slipping through the secret opening in the cupboard. Now she couldn't. She longed for Timmy with all her heart and felt that if only the big faithful dog were with her, things would seem much brighter. I'm sure Mr. Lenoir is at the bottom of all this, said Dick, and Block too. I bet that was Block you saw in here tonight, doing something in the dark, George. I bet he and Mr. Lenoir are hand in glove with each other over something. Well, then we can't possibly go and tell them what has happened, said Julian. If they are at the bottom of all these weird happenings, it would be foolish to go and tell them what we know. And we can't tell your mother, Mary Bell, because she would naturally go to your father about it. It's a puzzle to know what to do. Anne began to cry. Mary Bell, frightened and puzzled, at once began to sob too. George felt tears pricking the backs of her eyelids, but she blinked them away. George never cried. "'I want sooty,' wept Mary Bell, who adored her cheeky, daring brother. "'Where's he gone? I'm sure he's in danger. I do want sooty.' "'We'll rescue him tomorrow, don't you worry,' said Julian kindly." We can't do anything about it tonight, though. There's nobody at Smuggler's Top we can possibly get advice or help from, as things are. I vote. We go to bed, sleep on it, and make plans in the morning. By that time, Sooty and Uncle Quentin may have turned up again. If they haven't, Mr Lenoir will have to be told by someone, and we'll see how he behaves. If he's surprised and upset, we'll soon know if he's had anything to do with this mystery or not. He'll have to do something, go to the police or have the house turned upside down to find the missing people. We'll soon see what happens. Everyone felt a little comforted after this long speech. Julian sounded cheerful and firm, although he didn't really feel happy at all he knew better than any of the others that something very strange and probably dangerous was going on at smuggler's top he wished the girls were not there now listen he said george you go and sleep with anne and mary bell next door lock your door and keep the light on dick and i will sleep here in the city's old room also with the light on so you'll know we're quite nearby. It was comforting to know that the two boys were so near. The three girls went at last into Mary Bell's room, tired out. Anne and Mary Bell got into bed again, and George lay down on the small but comfortable couch, pulling a thick rug over her. In spite of all the worry and excitement, the girls were soon asleep, quite exhausted. The boys talked a little as they lay in Sooty's old bed, where their Uncle Quentin had been asleep some time before. Julian did not think anything more would happen that night. He and Dick fell asleep, but Julian was ready to wake at the slightest noise. Next morning... They were awakened by a most surprised Sarah, who had come in to draw the curtains and bring George's father a pot of early morning tea. She could not believe her eyes when she saw the two boys in the visitor's bed. And no visitor. What's all this? said Sarah, gaping. Where's your uncle? Why are you here? Oh, we'll explain later, said Julian, who did not want to go in. "'to any details with Sarah, who was a bit of a chatterbox. "'Must be the name. (laughs) "'You can leave the tea, Sarah. We'd like it.' "'Yes, but where's your uncle?' "'Is he in your room?' said the puzzled Sarah. "'What's up?' "'You can go and look in our room if you like "'and see if he's there,' said Dick, "'wanting to get rid of the amazed woman.' She disappeared, thinking that the whole household must be going mad. She left the hot tea behind, though, and the boys at once took it into the girls' room. George unlocked the door for them. They took it in turns to sip the hot tea from the one cup. Presently, Sarah came back with Harriet and Block. Block's face was blank, as usual. There's nobody in your room, Julian, began Sarah. Then... Block gave a sudden exclamation and stared at George angrily. He had thought she was in her room and here she was in Mary Bell's room drinking tea. How did you get out, he demanded. I'll tell Mr Lenoir. You're in disgrace. Shut up, said Julian. Don't you dare. Dare to speak to my cousin like that. I believe you're mixed up in this curious business. Clear out, Block. Whether Block heard or not, he gave no sign of going. Julian got up. His face set. Clear out of this room, he said, narrowing his eyes. Do you hear... I have a feeling that the police might be interested in you, Block. Now clear out. Harriet and Sarah gave little shrieks. The sudden mystery was just too much for them. They gazed at Block and began to back out of the room. Fortunately, Block went too, casting an evil look at the determined Julian. I shall go to Mr Lenoir, said Block and disappeared. In a few minutes, along came Mr and Mrs Lenoir to Mary Bell's room. Mrs Lenoir looked scared out of her life. Mr Lenoir looked puzzled and upset. Now, what's all this? He began. Block has been to me with a most curious tale. Says your father has disappeared, George. And and so has sooty suddenly wailed mary bell bursting into tears again sooty's gone he's gone too mrs lenoir gave a cry what do you mean how can he have gone mary bell what do you mean mary bell i think i'd better take charge of the telling said julian who was not going to let the little girl give away all the things they knew after all, Mr. Lenoir was probably at the bottom of everything, and it would be foolish to tell him what they suspected about him. Julian, tell me what's happened quickly, begged Mrs. Lenoir, looking really upset. Uncle Quentin vanished from his bed last night, and Sooty has disappeared too, said Julian shortly. They may turn up, of course. Julian? ''You're keeping back something,'' said Mr Lenoir suddenly, watching the boy sharply. ''You will tell us everything, please. How dare you keep back anything at a moment like this?'' ''Tell him, Julian, tell him!'' wailed Mary Bell. Julian looked obstinate and glared at Mary Bell. The tip of Mr Lenoir's nose went white. I am going to the police, he said. Perhaps you will talk to them, my boy. They will knock some sense into you. Julian was surprised. Why, I shouldn't have thought you would want to go to the police, he blurted out. You've got too many secrets to hide. Oh, (laughs) fancy telling him that. Oh, Now has he got too many secrets to hide? Is he involved in all of this? Or is he just an unfortunate man who's got a very bad temper and possibly not involved at all? Well, maybe tomorrow we'll find out. Who knows? Because tomorrow we have chapter 17. Uh, So, until then, make sure that you take care and stay safe and have an amazing day okay bye for now